Hey fellas, how we doing? Back at it again. It's, uh, you know, it's a new day, it's a new life. Happy birthday, James Bond, the movie. I don't know when James Bond's birthday is, but I'm sure it's soon. Anyway, we got a new theme song, and uh, it's been a while since I've had a consistent theme song. I've kind of just been messing around for a while. Oh, my cord is in a bumpable spot, but I'll just be careful. Anyway, I haven't had a consistent theme song for probably a year now. I've just been doofing around, goofing around, playing a bunch of music, changing it up all the time. The last one was one of my favorites. It was a chiptune sounding thing I made a little bit ago, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. But uh, what you just heard was the, the beautiful sounds of William Bizarre, of Bizarre Guitars fame. Uh, he, I was talking to him the other day on the internet. He was playing his... Oh, what is it? He made a baritone guitar that's nylon string and fretless, but also electric. And so it's tuned to something ridiculous. As much as Will is a a guitar-making man, he's also a very good musician. So he knows how to play a tune. And uh, he was just messing around. I was like, hey, you want to record that and uh, send it to me? And he said, yeah, I'll do that. So he did. And there it is. The song. Uh, it's very good. I enjoy, I enjoyed it a lot. You'll hear the rest of it on the uh, the outro because it's it's a lot of it's a lot of fun, as I've already said. But that brings us into our first topic. William Bizard, the man who uh, just played that song for us, were, uh, made guitars, finished guitars, did uh, the whole guitar process at Rick Turner Guitar Studio shop in California. Uh, Rick Turner, if you don't know who he is, he was a guy that did the sound for Grateful Dead. He made a thing called the Wall of Sound. I also learned that he made, like, active pickups in the guitar. I think that was one of his innovations. He did a lot of stuff for the guitar and for the community of people that play the guitar. And, uh, oh, who was it? I saw a post about a Rick Turner Model 1, I think, by Lindsey Buckingham of Fleetwood Mac. And he was like, I play this one, it's a good one. Anyway, Rick Turner, he's a guy. He was also an old guy, because the people that participated in that era of music are a little older now. Uh, He recently died, like a week or so ago. And that's caused me and Will, as much as we talk. We talked a lot about mortality and just uh, being alive and things of that nature. And being not alive. And everything that comes with that sort of thing. And it's just an interesting perspective as to how you want to live your life. And Rick was, uh, he was at the shop doing his thing until like the day before he died. I got a cough again, so here it goes. I'm going to at least turn away. Yeah! It was a pretty good one. Anyway, Rick was there doing his thing until just before he died. And I thought about it, and I told Will, hey, Rick never really got to retire. He, he kind of was just making guitars, and Will was like, you know what? It was like a, a week or two before he was in the hospital and died. He drove himself to Southern California with a bunch of stuff to do, you know, whatever you do. But yeah, he drove himself. And so he was, he was just doing it up until he died. And I was like, you know, that's, that's great that he didn't have too many health problems, that he was just 
out there doing his thing until he died. And I mean, what more do you want? The man was an artist. He made guitars as a career for his whole life or however long he did it. I don't know the majority of his life. Yeah, he was doing that until the end. And I thought, that's a great, that's a beautiful thing to just be able to do what you want the whole time. And uh, I've been thinking a lot about that, the podcast. It's me again with the same same tagline there. <laughs> but I just, uh, I want to, one, do that same thing. I'd like to do what I want to do until I'm uh, not alive anymore. I'd like to just be able to make it until I die off of doing things that I like, which is great. That's a beautiful experience for him and for anyone that gets to do that. But appreciating everything right now, and I feel like I talk about that a good amount, just appreciating the experiences we have in life right now, whether they be exactly what we want to do or just everything in between. There, there we'll, we'll learn a vocabulary word here. Uh, the word is liminal or liminality. It's uh, everything in between, like a waiting period a moment between what you're trying to actually do. I feel like airports are a good example of a liminal space. Anyway, this idea of enjoying every moment, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to do my best and kind of see every, I mean, like right now, my job is fine. I'm not the, I'm not like, I love my job, but I also don't hate my job, which is fantastic. That's more than a lot of people can say. And I, I live a very privileged existence in that regard. But I'd like to do other things. And just thinking about, I can. I can just do it. I'm sure Rick took some risks. I know watching Will and his experience, he took a couple of swings. He lived in his car, I think, for a minute <laughs> out in Santa Cruz before he found a place to stay. But you got to do that, though. If you really want to do something, and Will has been a huge inspiration to me in his He's always played guitar. He's always been very good at it. And I know we have a whole like hour long episode. You go listen to that. I'm sure we go over this. But he went out there and just was like, you know what, fellas, we're making guitars now. And then he did it. <laughs> he put in the work, he put in the time, and now he's very good at it and he's doing it. And I think about that and not to minimize his efforts. And I think I said this exact thing on that episode. So just go listen to that. But for the whole story, I guess. But I, I see him do that, and I'm like, I am capable of putting forth effort as well. I can put forth the work. I can put in the time. And I have, I'm very fortunate to have the resources and the ability and the whatever to be able to put it in. It's just the idea of actually doing it and the execution of it that gets a little challenging sometimes. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to do something out here. You know what I mean? I'm going to play more music. I'm going to still do some voiceovers. And uh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to get there. I'm going to do things that I want to do and appreciate life and enjoy life and just people. I I guess getting into our next topic here. Uh, last Thursday, the 21st, was the uh, one-year anniversary of our uh, Alexis and I son, Beck, his birth. And for those of you that know the whole story, it was also the, uh, I mean, he was stillborn. So he it, it was his birthday on the 21st. And that was just a wild, uh, a wild little while for Alexis Knight. It still is sometimes. But uh, we both posted stuff on the internet because I, I try usually to keep it pretty light in social media as mostly a joke because I think it is. But I posted a thing because I've got a lot of feelings about that. And it's one of the most important things that's happened to me. And one of the most 
I don't know, one of the biggest things that's happened to me and Alexis as well. It's it's something we talk about a lot just because that's the only way we've been able to uh, get through it and uh, be around. But posted a thing and I am overwhelmed by all of the people that reached out and I'm still trying to reach out back to some people. But to everybody that has said, hey, sorry, I didn't say anything when it happened. I didn't know what to say. That is perfectly fine. It is a large moment and in any moment when anyone has a a big thing like that happen to them, especially when it's something sad. I don't know that there is much to say. You know what I mean? Like, there's not a lot that you can say. There's not a lot. I mean, my guy Tab showed up with cake, like the next day, delicious cake, and uh, wrote me a note on a piece of lasagna, which is deep in the, the lore of Tab and I's friendship. That is something that we have done in the past but it's it's stuff like that there's not a lot you need to say all he said and wrote on that note was hey you need something i'm here for you and that's my friend clark as well same thing he ordered us some doordash some nachos which i mean food goes a long way as well but i just, i have i've had a lot of thoughts about that just when something like that happens and then people the amount of people that have said that to me, like, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what exactly to do. And even a year later, it is still very helpful to me to hear that from people. Just, I feel for you. Sorry. And not saying anything is just fine. Because you don't want to say the wrong thing. And I mean, in that regard, it's... I don't know. I didn't expect much from people because I... I was aware enough at the time to be like, I don't know what I would say to someone in that spot. Now I have a lot of things to say, just sharing my own experience. But when you're, it's fine. It's totally fine to not know what to say in those moments. Besides, I mean, an appropriate thing is always hard time. I'm here for you. Let me know. Or if you know, if they're close to you and you know what kind of food they like, you can always drop them a line there if you know what I mean. But this tying into the last thing I was talking about, I just love and appreciate so many people in my life. There are several people that I talk to on almost a daily basis right now that I could not be happier to associate with. I'm just happy to have people around. And I'm sorry if I'm weirding anybody out with uh, (laughs) me expressing my feelings to you. But at the same time, I'm not sorry because if I appreciate you, I'm going to let you know. I'm going to say it now. I'm going to try my best to always throw that out there if I'm feeling it because I think that's important. And the traditional, I know I had an episode called Be a Man because I read a book at a bookstore while I was waiting for Alexis and my aunt to cruise around, but it was called like The Man's Guide to Something. And I think being a man is something that we really need to stop thinking about (laughs) and just think more about What is it to be a good person? What is it to be a good human being? How can I better the lives of others as well as myself? And yeah, give to others, serve. I think uh, I've been watching, re-watching Initial D. I will maintain that the first season of that show is probably the best television you can watch. It's uh, 
It's about cars. It's about street racing in Japan. And I don't care about cars at all, but boy, howdy, is it intriguing. I love that show a lot. But at one point in the show, one of the guys on the street racing team accepts a challenge for his friend who's not really a street racer yet, but he's like the best guy in the whole scene. He's just really good. He's only raced once. And he accepts the challenge for him. And so it's coming up to time of the race and his friend hasn't shown up yet and he's not sure if he's going to. And he was like, well, I need to apologize to the dude I accepted the challenge from and tell him, hey, I didn't ask him beforehand. I just did this whole thing. And I really wanted him to race you, so whatever. Anyway, that's not the important part. The important part you, you need to know is he needs to apologize to this man. And he's in high school. And I feel like Initial D, as goofy of a show as it is, in one moment, he says two things that I was like, that's actually a pretty good... I got to cough again. Sorry. Yeah! <laughs> I know it sounds like I'm just screaming, but, you know, that does the trick. Anyway. I ate a lot of hot sauce for breakfast. Not just hot sauce. I made hash browns again. But I'll have to share my recipe. I've been asked a few times about uh, hash browns. But anyway, initial D... Guy's got to apologize, and he's walking up, and in his thoughts, he says to himself, he kind of hesitates, and he's like, oh, no, should I really do this? I'm going to be groveling. It's going to be embarrassing. And he says, no, a real man knows how to apologize. And I was like, one, I don't care about what a real man anything. That doesn't mean anything to me. But if we're going to talk about masculinity or a real man, quote, unquote, does whatever, I feel like that's a great one. <laughs> That is a good look at what everyone should be able to do. But if we're going to have anything be associated with masculinity, I feel like a real man knows when to apologize. That's a good statement. And then the second thing he says is a real man always does right by his friends, which again, if we just narrow it down to those two things and say, okay, if you want to really be masculine, if you want to be a quote unquote real man, if that's important to you, here are the two things. These are the two rules. Do right by your friends and always know when to apologize <laughs> and know how to apologize. So I loved that. I loved that a lot. I don't remember how I got there. I don't know where I'm at now. What was I talking about? Love people. Appreciate everybody. Thank you for everything. Being a real man. Yeah, I don't know. We'll move on. <laughs> the rest of it's pretty, uh, the rest of it's pretty a uh, goof off moment. I have some funny ideas. Uh, I was just thinking about Easter and how Easter is now about rabbits and how Easter started off as, uh, I think it has something to do with a solstice. Everything is a solstice now. But it was Easter. You do your thing, Easter. But somehow we got to decorating eggs and... I don't even know. Rabbits? Let's not commercialize everything, huh? Then we wouldn't be in this, this situation. We wouldn't be in such a weird spot with Easter. <laughs> That's all I have to say about Easter. Uh, oh boy, I've been watching Yu-Gi-Oh! as I mentioned. I just have a quick thought on that. Uh, so Yu-Gi-Oh! is a card game, for those of you who don't know, and it's an anime where every line of dialogue is screamed into a microphone. But in the Yu-Gi-Oh! show, they all play Dual Monsters, the game. It's the name of the Yu-Gi-Oh! card game in the Yu-Gi-Oh! universe. A couple of things here couple of plot holes. You don't have to have seen Yu-Gi-Oh! to understand this. Uh, Yugi, the main character, obviously, <laughs> he has this deal he wears around his neck that's an ancient Egyptian whatever, and whenever he duels, 
he transforms into an ancient pharaoh, but the pharaoh looks exactly like him, just like a foot and a half taller than he is. Because Yugi is half the size of all of his friends, and then when he duels, he becomes the same size as them. Yeah, he's, he's like unnecessarily short for no reason. But the thing here is, one, he starts dueling, and it takes his, his friends about 30 episodes into the show to say, hey, Yugi looks a little different, doesn't he? Is that, what, what's going on? And it's like your buddy just gained a foot and a half. How are you going to take that long to realize that? Also, his voice gets mega deep and he starts talking about ancient Egypt. So, I don't know, man. They're pretty dense. And then the second thing is, the dude that's Seto Kaiba, one hilarious guy, he's always just mad, but he is the quote-unquote world champion of dual monsters. And everybody that's super serious in the scene, the regional champions, they bring out a bunch of people that are like, I've been playing this game since it started in ancient Egypt. It's all about ancient Egypt at the end of the day. It's That's really what it is. But I just... They... I don't know how to even say this. I play a lot of video games. I've played some card games. Not, not like super competitively, but I've played Pokemon cards online because it's fun. I think Pokemon's a fun card game. But even then, in my limited scope, you know what other cards do. You know what your own cards do. You think about playing the game beforehand. You hopefully strategize a little bit and put cards in your deck that would go together and help you out. In the Yu-Gi-Oh! universe, world champion Seto Kaiba goes against Yugi. Yugi plays a card and he's like, what card is that? What does it do? And it's like, brother, if you are the world champion, how did you get to this point without knowing every single card in the game and what it does and what you can do about it? Nowadays, you see anyone do anything and they've spent 35 million years on Google <laughs> or whatever. They know what's going on. You at least know all the cards. My cousin Tyler collects all the cards. He's not a, he doesn't play them per se, but he has them and he knows what they do. If he, someone played a card, he wouldn't be like, hmm, what is that? Or there was an episode where Yugi's friend, oh, what's her name, like Taya or something? She goes up and starts playing and she pulls up a trap card and says, I don't remember what this one does. One, Yu-Gi-Oh cards, read it. It has the words on there. Sorry, I know you don't listen to this to hear me scream about Yu-Gi-Oh. I think it's a funny show, and it really is an inspiration to me in the voice acting realm because hearing everybody go, I will banish you to the Shadow Realm, or everything they say is with that kind of energy. It's the most important thing on Earth when they say it. It's very funny, the voice acting. It's supposed to be serious. It is hilarious. It is a comedy. But anyway, I just thought it was... I, I've been thinking about that <laughs> a decent amount lately. Like, hey, Yu-Gi-Oh, all of you... Oh, also, I feel like it's... I mean, it's not like they're going for some cinematic masterpiece, but whenever he transforms into the Pharaoh guy, he just looks into the sky and screams, Yu-Gi-Oh! And it's like, be a little less cheesy, please. A little less on the nose with what you're doing here, because that's hilarious. That's a joke. I also understand how every parent on Earth, like watching it now, I'm a little different. I feel like I am a child in most ways still. But, and, and that's why I can watch it and be like, this is a hilarious show. 
But come on, guys. I I'm sure every parent on earth watching this show or having it on with their children was like, Mama Mia, what is children's TV these days? And that's a that's a great, great show to say it about is old Yu-Gi-Oh! Because, yeah, it's a lot of yelling. Also, they take all the rules of the the game. Yu-Gi-Oh! is a very... It's, it's pretty complicated now, but at least when it came out. The rules were simple. You have cards. They have words on them. It tells you what they do. You play monster cards. They have numbers on them. If the number of one monster card is higher than the other one, that one wins. The higher number wins. It's a classic tried-and-true formula. Big number big win you win the game but not in the tv show if you just think hard enough your guy wins he beats the other guy just because you want to they also do a lot of my guy has lower points but if i just believe hard enough and attack the higher point monster hopefully he wins they usually lose but sometimes you know i don't know man if you're gonna make a tv show about a card game at least make it a legitimate experience for people to watch it if you're going to have an almost 30-year-old man watching your card game TV show, at least think about me, the main audience here. I'd be interested to see the amount of people that watch Yu-Gi-Oh! that are actual children. Because, or even back then, I'm sure there were adults that were like, time to be the very best at Yu-Gi-Oh! Anyway, that's going to be it though, I feel like. People my age are going to be the main consumers of cartoons. <laughs> and Pokemon. Pokemon, though, has a different allure to children, that, so they can get into it as well. But man, I'm still, I'm like 99% sure 25 to 30-year-olds are the main consumers of Pokemon. We are not eating Pokemon because you can't do that. They don't exist. But uh, the main people that look at Pokemon. Anyway, I think uh, that's where we're going to leave it this week. I uh, I know that was a pretty serious at some points, and then I was just kind of screaming about Yu-Gi-Oh! for the last half there, but thank you to everybody for being in my life. Thank you to those of my very, my very close friends for being around. I appreciate you. Uh, me and Paul, let me think about Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if he's around. <laughs> I'm going to try to make that a regular Saturday occurrence. I know I talked about it earlier, and then I haven't, like, announced it or anything, but I'm going to chuck it out. If you follow me on Instagram, not the not maybe I'll start posting on the not a talk show uh, Instagram again just when stuff is happening but I should just post garbage on there anyway also for everyone that listened to the previous speaking of posting garbage uh, the previous there's not a bonus episode this week I had a lot of fun I'll let you know that I took uh, clarinet lessons for about a little over a decade my parents would be so happy to hear that now and what I'm doing with my uh, my ability to play the clarinet I'm sure they'd be so proud of me uh, anyway, it was a fun one. I had a good time. But, yeah, I'll chuck it out there. Saturday nights, I try to get on about 8 o'clock Mountain Time, 8 p.m., Paul and I, and now William. Uh, but mainly, I think it's, yeah, we're going to play uh, just games. <laughs> a lot of the time, old games. I think I've said this whole spiel before. But, yeah, some classic. We've been playing Mario Golf, which 18 holes of Mario Golf last 45 hours. It's a long game. But... We just hang out, shoot the breeze, do the thing. Paul will stream it if he's feeling it. If not, then sorry, but you're not invited. See ya next time. Send me an email if you want to. I'm not forcing you. This is just a, a request. Not a talk show podcast at gmail.com. Let's hear that nice outro music. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Will. <laughs>